It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Mateo with you here tonight on a Saturday tonight night. Mateo, Saturday back, night. With Mateo us. back with us. Welcome back, sir. Welcome and back, sir. what and could be considered, could be considered a, historic a historic day in the world, of sports. world of sports. Let me bring on in, my, bring co-host, on in my co-host, Tom Barton Sports.com. Mr. Tom Barton. We are going to talk NFL Week 14. And we're going to talk about something here for probably for a good amount of this hour. On a big, big day, not only in the world of baseball, but in the world of sports. Yeah, it's funny because we had a huge story. I still think it's the bigger story, but we had a huge story in Major League Baseball this week. And then it was sort of, uh, you know, the trump card came out and slapped it down on the table. And and all of a sudden, Otani is still in L.A. We'll say that, right? I mean, it's going to be a great show because I want to get your opinion on it. I have a completely contradictory opinion than everybody else out there. It seems uh, that people have lost their minds, and we will get into that. Plus, of course, the NFL slate of games. I am as excited for tomorrow's slate of NFL games probably than I've been all year long after opening day. For whatever reason, these games fell into place. I'm pumped up to talk about it. So we're going to do a lot of NFL, but man, the story as you said, maybe the biggest story this year in all of sports, Shohei Otani. Let's give everybody, Let's give everybody the, the quick numbers. That quick I'm numbers sure everybody knows. This, everybody this like knows. literally was an update. You'd think something was going on in the world with the way that the phones are ringing off with the ESPN update that Otani agreed in principle to a 10-year, $700 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. The, the talk of the day, it was obviously well obviously planned well out planned strategically, out, Tom, strategically, and, um, Tom, and um, you're right. He stays in the right, city of L.A. He's going to play in, in the National League now. $700 million. So the – and I, I saw a Jeff Passan article about how he broke down. It's not really $70 million. It doesn't matter. It's $700 million, Tom. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. The contract is the, the largest, contract in, is baseball largest in baseball by more than two hundred and fifty million dollars that his ex teammate Mike Trout held that previously with the uh, signing in twenty nineteen. Patrick Mahomes, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, four hundred and fifty million dollars. So this this is uh what we knew it was gonna be. It was gonna be the biggest. We knew that, but now you have to break down the deal and what do you what do you think? Seven hundred million I'll let you start, I'll Tom. You, you have start, a contradictory have opinion, a on this. opinion on this. I guess the only question I, I have before you I give your statement, your statement is, how much is too much? $700 million is too much. <laughs> yeah. And look, it's not my money, but it's too much. Let, let me just set the scene before I go my contradictory route. Largest contract in Major League Baseball history. Okay. And, and we're starting with before today. Mike Trout, 426.5. Mookie Betts, 365. Aaron Judge, 360. Manny Machado, 350. Yeah. You go down to Bryce Harper, 330. Tatis is in there, 340. Fernando Lindor, 341. 
This is almost double Aaron Judge. This is double Manny Machado. More than double Bryce Harper. This is $250 million more than Mike Trout. This is just about double Mookie Betts. Want to get more ridiculous? Because for anybody that thinks that he's better by double than them. Shohei Otani's contract. Per year, obviously $70 million per year. Per month, $5,833,000. Per week, $1,346,000. Per day, just shy of $200 million. Per hour, I'm sorry, $200,000. Per hour, $8,000 an hour. Per minute, $133 a minute. Per second, makes $2.22 per second. Per game, his game check, if they did game checks like the NFL, his game check will be just short of a half a million dollars. Oh, you want more? Here's one more for you. The Las Vegas Athletics. Well, the Oakland A's total payroll over the last 10 seasons combined does not equal this. It comes 30 million dollars short 670 million 229,498 so that's 10 years 10 years of the Las Vegas athletics now Tim I am in a completely contradictory mode mm-hmm. and my contradictory mode isn't is this too much money to spend on Otani because I think that there's a lot of people that are agreeing with me that sure it's too much money to spend on Otani but the question inevitably is well it's not your money Right? So, okay, who cares? Yeah, you're right. It's not my money. I'm not even a Dodger fan. doesn't matter to me. And, and then the question is, you know, is this too much money for an athlete? Who are we to say? Right? I mean, I, I think Tom Hanks gets too much money, uh, you know, $20 million, $25 million for a movie, right? So I, I think they're overpaid. I certainly think politicians are overpaid. So who's to say who's overpaid and who's not, right? I mean, in a beautiful world, police, fire, teachers... EMT, nurses, uh, you know, these these would be the people that would get paid the most. Army, Navy, obviously. This is who would be paid the most. But we don't live in that world. I very much understand, understand it's an entertainment business. But I just read up on the people that are close to him as far as skill level, as far as talent, as far as uh, the draw. All of those guys would be sort of the next tier. He is not close to being double any of those guys. Not close. This Shohei Otani deal could be the worst deal in the history of sports. I said it. And here's why. Shohei Otani is not the guy you've all made him out to be. You know I'm an Otani fan. But it has gotten to the ridiculous level of his steam has overgrown his talent. He's talented, sure. He's also had two arm surgeries. He's also taken a full year off already where he will not pitch, and he will not pitch again this year. He doesn't play the field, Tim. He's not exactly a guy that's going to go out there and steal 40 bases either. So he is a DH. That's what he is. And it's not just a DH for this season, right? I mean, that's not what you're talking about. He's a DH overall, probably for the rest of his career. Now, you want to tell me, and and I did have some people sit back and tell me, you know what, look, Tom, the reality of the situation is is that he's more than a DH because he's such a good hitter. Look, 
he, he's a good hitter, and he might pitch again. He's going to be 30 years old this season. He may pitch again when he's 30, 31. I'm sorry, not 30, but 31. Usually it takes a year for that to acclimate. He's never made a lot of starts. So let's say the year 32, let's say he gives you two years, two years of pitching, 32 and 33. That's not barring another injury. That's saying that you don't mind putting a $700 million asset out there to potentially get injured well into his 30s. So maybe he's got two more years. So you have to look at this as a hitter. And as a hitter, Tim, he's just not that guy. He's not. Shohei Otani, just to give you an idea, Shohei Otani last year, phenomenal season, right? Phenomenal season. We know that. Shohei Otani, um, last season, 95 RBIs. He hit 300, 102 runs. Well, the DH that the Dodgers were replacing in 432 at-bats, he had 61 runs. He had 103 RBIs. 117 hits, he had 271. J.D. Martinez is pretty good. <laughs> right? I mean, he's he's pretty good. And we're not talking about J.D. Martinez. We're talking about the greatest in the game. Shohei Otani, his steam, his hype, the media attention drooling over him, got him paid $700 million. That's the reality. When slash if Juan Soto signs with the New York Yankees, New York Mets, wherever he's going to go after this year or before this year. He's a much more valuable asset than Shohei Otani. So Juan Soto is 25 years old. He's a full five and a half years younger than Shohei Otani. Juan Soto is a guy who gets on base more than Otani. Juan Soto has just as much power. He has shown the ability to hit for just as much average at points of his career. Juan Soto is not going to get $700 million. So the Los Angeles Dodgers bid against themselves here, Tim. From the reports that we're hearing, the Cubs and the Mets were still in this to the end. Toronto, of course. Uh, but they were bidding against themselves. And that's just reality, right? They're bidding against themselves for 700 I doubt anyone was going to get 600 Now, you can talk about, like you said, deferred payment and everything else. The reality is, is that Shohei Otani is not the best player in baseball. Shohei Otani is not a top five player in baseball when you take away the pitching. And you say that he's nothing but a DH. Tim, the Los Angeles Dodgers just paid 10 years, $700 million to a not top five player that in probably two years, he won't be a top 10 player. And I could very easily speak to the fact that in year six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, there's no way he's a top 10 player. He might not crack the top 20, 25. So this deal, while overpaid, sure, I'm more on the side of Otani without the mound, not the guy you're hoping for. You know I love Otani as well, Tommy. My boy loves Otani. But the Dodgers, you might as well just put a a donkey's ass. Their new logo should be a donkey's ass. That should be the Dodgers logo. Because what they did, like you just said, they outbid themselves. Cost them, cost them, I don't know, at don't least know, $100 million more, more than they had to, just so they can say they got Shohei Otani, right, Tom? Right. And I don't care if they and win the next six, win World the next six World Series. Is that money, is that money enough, enough to uh, – uh, are, are those championships – are they going to be able to make that money back? I don't know, and it doesn't really matter, Tom. For me, it wasn't about where he went. He could have went to Toronto. 
apparently they have, uh, apparently they have people, people logging, logging flight, flight paths and, and, and looking at uh, private airports private to try airports to find where he was going, going, right? That's how crazy, that's this, how crazy got. this got. For, for Robert Herjavec from Shark Tank. That's right. What wound right. Up right. <laughs> Not even Mark Cuban, who's the other guy, right? Yeah. They could have. He, he could have went to Chicago. He could have went to the Giants. He could have went to the Yanks. He could have stayed home with the Angels. But the Dodgers bid against nobody. He would have signed with, with the Dodgers, and we all felt like this during the season that once the Angels were eliminated from the playoffs, we said on this show, he's not coming back. We we all felt it was going to be the Dodgers. They probably could have got the job done, Tom, for 550. I truly, truly believe that. So as an Angels fan, I'll just start there. As an Angels fan, I'm a little less disappointed that he signed with the Dodgers today. Because if Artie Moreno would have gave him $700 million, he'd be saying the same thing on the airwaves right now. Idiot. Dodger ownerships, idiots. They are, and this is the thing. It's not even about the Dodgers per se, right, Tom? This is about sports now. And you could say the same, people are going to say, well, Tim, you could say the same thing about does Mike Trout deserve 426? Does Patrick Mahomes deserve 450? Does Juan Soto going to deserve whatever he's going to get now? Because this is where I'm going at this. The Dodgers literally changed the market for everything future wise. And is it just for me, Tommy? Is it just about that? The rich get richer, the and they're the ones that can afford to do this. You're, you're just you're, why, why do you even why, have? Why there's no competitive have, balance no at this balance point. If you're going to allow teams to overspend where they don't have to. Here's the thing, though, Tim. I, you know, I don't even care about that. I, I just don't. I don't care that they did overspend. And I understand. You know, one of the things that people always point to is average annual salary, right? And it's yeah. seventy million. But with this Kershaw situation, they're going to lose twenty million. Okay, uh, J.D. Martinez was on the books for $10 million last year. He'll be gone. There's likelihood that Max Muncy will be gone in his $12 million or Jason Haywood in his ten. million. They're not going to feel it annually. So Dodger backers are going to say, look, we've given them 70 but we're going to lose like 40 off of the books. You're right. I totally understand that. That's that's a rationale that I have used with, with my teams, the Yankees specifically. Um, it's, it's not even the precedent that is being set. It is a bad baseball move the los angeles dodgers were not shohei otani away from winning the world series they were pitching away right 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 the, the los angeles dodgers were not in need of a brand to bring up the dodger brand to the dodgers they were not in need of a superstar they've bets and freeman they were not in need of ticket sales they got three and a half million dollars uh, three and a half million people came to see them last year right what are they going to do? Raise raise the Dodger dogs two bucks? You know, they, they were not in need of Otani. So I agree with you that it hurts the sport, it hurts the, the, the bargaining, it hurts everything else. But I will argue this though, Tim, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that they spent 70. It's who they spent it on. They spent it on a player they didn't need, but they were so fat and overgrossed with wanting him that they had to go get him if the angels signed this contract i'd say it's stupid it doesn't make sense i don't agree with it but i get it if toronto signed the contract i go this is crazy ridiculous money but i get it had the mets signed it but i get it the dodgers didn't need to make this move the dodgers world series percentages 
and you can't go up much, right? I mean, we all had the Dodgers winning the division. We all had the Dodgers probably in the top one or two teams to win the World Series next year. They didn't increase their chances, and the one deficiency they had was starting pitching. He's not going to pitch this year. So it's, it's you know, kind of pigs get slaughtered sort of situation here. It's not that the Dodgers gave him $700 million. It's that they didn't need to. They didn't. It's not the numbers that even knocked me off my chair, Tim. It's the gross way that they went about this. We don't need him. It's perfectly fine. We're going to get him anyway. And we're going to overpay him to the tune of $70 million. To give you guys an idea, you know what I mean? Uh, just to, to understand, Aaron Judge, after... He hit 62 home runs, guys. About a year difference, right? Is making $40 million. Aaron Judge is a better player. Flat out a better player than Shohei Otani. Flat out. And they're about the same age. $40 million. Like I said, Juan Soto's not getting $700 million. Juan Soto might get 50, you know, 50 a year. Uh, maybe 55 a year. Maybe 60 a year. He's not getting 700. He's a better player. Ronald Acuna, better player. These guys, he's not that player. He's not generational. Stop it right now. He's a generational talent, not a generational successor, which Aaron Rodgers was a generational talent. Who do you want? His career, Tom Brady's, right? So, no, he's got talent. One of his talents is taken away. This guy's a DH. He's a part-time player, Tim. Say it with me. Part-time player. Even if he pitches, he'll pitch 30 games a year. He's sitting a bench 130 games of the year for half the game. He's a part-time player. This is a horrific, horrific deal by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I don't want to hear any Dodger fan calling me up next year or in two years when they win the World Series. Oh, come on. You know, this was Otani with it. No, 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 no. Call me up in eight, nine years. Call me up in eight or nine years because not one of these contracts has ever worked out. You go to Pools, you go to Cabrera, you go to CC Sabathia. Yeah, already Tatis, they're regretting that one. Go through all the 10, 12, 15-year contracts. And the Dodgers didn't need to do it. You can't tell me that they're a fan base, Tim, that you go, well, if they win a title, it's all worth it. No, it's not. How many titles does Shohei Otani have to win here? And this is a good question for you. I want to talk to you guys too. 876-1340, at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter, at HW Sports over on the X which used to be Twitter. Uh, how many World Series in the next 10 years do the Dodgers have to make to make Dodger fans okay with signing a 10-year, $700 million deal? Because if it was the Cubs, you could say one or two. If it was Toronto, you could say one or two. If it was San Francisco, you could say one or two. If it was the Mets, heck, you could say one. Is the number four, Tim? Do the Dodgers have to win five to make this deal worth it? Uh, to me, you're getting up into that range. Dodgers have to win four or five World Series in the next 10 years to make the Otani deal make sense. And it's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen. And I'll look at it more like the Dodgers are that Dodgers spoiled, are child, spoiled child, child, right, Tom, that they want Tom, everything, they want everything just, just because they, they don't have it. They, they want it. it. They'll, they'll get it because they have the money. It's greed. It's pure greed. It's bad for baseball. Like you said, you threw out there, what are they going to do? Charge you two bucks more for a Dodger dog? 100%. I promise you that happens this year.
Merchandise, more expensive. Tickets, more expensive. And you know what? I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the people that can afford to pay for that will do it. And in 10 years, we're going to talk about how this is the worst contract ever and the Dodgers won World Series in 10 years. You're right. Nothing we can do about it. Tim, what are the odds he doesn't finish his career as a Dodger? And they eat some of this contract. Very high. Very high. Two two so, uh, two elbow surgeries in five years. That's not a good track record, Tom. No, nope. And again, here's the thing. It, you know, I wonder. The one thing, the one reason I gave that the Angels could potentially grab him, you know, um, was the idea that the Angels would let him do whatever he wanted. I think you got to be nuts to sign a guy to seven year, a uh, ten year, seven hundred million dollar deal, and allow him to go out there and pitch. 20, 25 games a year. I, I think I think you got to be insane. It's his second arm surgery, and and there's you know reports. And I did the interview with a guy that followed him around that he had arm injuries way before he came to America, right? So you sign a guy to seven hundred million dollar deal. Are you in any way going to allow him to pitch? Well, the Angels might have because they allowed him to do this all, and I thought it was a mistake since the beginning. Dodgers, you know, all of a sudden, let let's say he, you know he misses this year, comes back and. Age 32, okay, you let him pitch a year or two. You think the Dodgers are going to let him pitch at age 34, 35? How is that? When it, when does that relationship get strained? Hey, we're paying you $700 million. You're not pitching, buddy. You're not two-waying this thing. Because you know it's not going. Look, he's not pitching 10 years of two-way baseball. He barely has pitched one year so far of two-way baseball. So when do the Dodgers pull the plug? And if they do, does that relationship get soiled? There's a lot of problems with this marriage here that we all see going on. It reminds me a lot, uh, you know, of, of the LeBron to go to the Lakers situation. LeBron going to the Lakers, we all knew there was going to be issues there. We all knew he was getting older. We all knew he wants to be a GM. We all knew he was getting... It, it's all here. And Otani, unlike LeBron, is in the middle of his legacy. You know, I hear people going, you know what, oh, come on, showing Otani's an automatic Hall of Famer. Yeah, you know what? I thought a lot of guys were an automatic Hall of Famer after a short career. He's doing unique things. That doesn't mean fantastic things. I don't know what Shohei Otani's going to look like in three years after two arm surgeries. Uh, what if What if you're paying him $700 million, $70 million a year, Tim? He blows his arm out. Now you lose a DH and you lose that. I, I mean, there, there's so many bad things that could happen with this kind of deal. I think it's bad for the sport. I think it's bad for Otani. I think it's bad for L.A., I'm just real happy that my team stayed out of this one. And mind you, and mind you, nobody's mad at Otani. Nobody's mad at Otani. You get, you get, what you, you get, get. you get what you get. If they're going to pay you that, take, pay it. You that take it. I have no problem with I that. No problem and with you that. hit the nail on the head when you said, from the standpoint of, they didn't they need didn't to have him. Have that's, him. I think that's, that's the biggest thing we have to talk about. And we'll look at the Dodger lineup here in a second, but. They didn't need him. They didn't, you're right. He, they're not right. Otani away from winning the World Series. And, and I think it's yeah, just straight greed. Just straight greed. Straight. Uh, we, we have the money that, have the money that nobody else, nobody else really, really was going to pay that. Gonna That's, pay the that. That's the problem. And they just wanted to make sure that they – not that they beat out the Angels for it, Tommy, right? They wanted to rub it in the face a little bit there. And, and that's unfortunate that's that unfortunate the politics, that politics and business involve and business a sport, involve but that's what we live in today's world. 
And uh, I look at it this and, uh, way, Tom. This and, way, by the way, the Dodgers odds the went from Dodgers eight to one down to five to one with the signing today, or the announced signing. Announced signing. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I tell you what, ten years. Ten years. They don't win three. How about that? Three. How about that? I, I hate to think what their <laughs> what what their team might look like this year, Tim. Their rotation is just not good. I mean, let, let's just flat out tell you what it is on the you know X's and O's. Their lineup: Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman. I, I mean, you could put that up against the all-time greats. Will Smith at four, Muncie. Okay, James Outman, Taylor Hayward. It falls off, but your top four are good. But again, it falls off. Not a lot of bench play. Okay, you know, it is what it is. Then you go and you look at the rotation, right? Uh, even in 2025, I mean, this year, Walker Buell is coming off of an arm surgery. Julio Urias is a free agent. Clayton Kershaw already out until they said probably August. Um, you have Dustin May, Tony Goslin, Ryan Pepiot, uh, Bobby Miller. Tim, are you seeing World Series with these guys? <laughs> no. No, no. You know, everybody, it's funny because we'll get to this, I'm sure, in the next bottom half of the hour here, but everybody ripped on the Yankees for not having, you know, signing Soto and going, oh, you know, all the, the haters, the Mets and Red Sox haters, uh, all, all they came out of the woodwork. Oh, who's going to pitch for them? Oh, I'm sorry, they have the Cy Young and the best pitcher in baseball. Like, after that, it might get a little dicey. The Dodgers don't even have that. No, they don't. And, and, um, so, so here's the thing. Uh, I guess we should look. Let's, let's take this street. Take this street. You spent this amount of money, and yeah, you you listed off some of the the, the contracts that they're going to be able to dump out. But is there anybody on the market now? Do they have the money to go build this rotation, or do you think this is set up for? How are they do this year? But we're looking at the next two or three years after this year when he's able to come back and pitch. No, I think it's actually franchise malpractice if they don't go out there and trade for a starting pitcher. A Dylan Cease, um, a Sandy Alcantara, uh, a Mitch Keller even. you know, they, they, It doesn't even have to be that number one guy. Go out there and go get yourself someone. Jordan Montgomery, you know, even that might not. I mean, look, Montgomery's good in the postseason, but even that's not enough. You got to go out there. Look, if the Dodgers follow, let me let me state this right now. This is my reaction today because I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. If the Dodgers go out there tomorrow and they trade for Willie Adamas and Corbin Burns, which was a rumor about a month and a half ago, wow, okay, now I'm listening, right? Now you have my attention. You're pushing your chips to the middle of the table. Both of them are your free agents. I don't know if they're going to resign them. I'm talking about this year, just this year, not long-term. Don't care about long-term. In long term, if you're a, a fun Dodger fan, you're going, hey, Otani's going to be our ace in two years. Okay, I'm talking about this year. This year, their pitching is really depleted. Bueller will be back in two years at full strength because he's not going to give you 180 innings this year. You know, you got guys like Dustin May and Gosling coming off of injuries. They're in two years, Tim, the projections look a lot better. But this year, their rotation is a failure this year. They need to make some moves. You go out there and you trade for Corbin Burns. You go out there, you trade for Dylan Cease. Maybe you sign a Blake Snell and uh, go. The Dodgers go out there and they go spend money on Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, okay, I'm paying attention. But how much more can you spend this offseason? You just spent $70 million. And just to give you an idea, 
The Dodgers spent $70 million. I truly believe that they could have put together a better package for Juan Soto than the New York Yankees. You could have signed Juan Soto, Jordan Montgomery, and Blake Snell for next year. Who's better? What team is better? Snell, Montgomery, and then the pitching staff after that with Juan Soto in right? Or Shohei Otani being the DH? So it's not, again, like you said, Otani, go get your money, man. I'm glad he got his money. I, I want these guys. Go ahead. Go get paid. It's not my money. I don't care. You know, go go get paid. But it's how they allocated funds and what their team looks like today. It didn't make sense. Pure greed, Tom. Pure greed, That's Tom. just the way we have to look at it. It's pure greed. And... Let's reset. Let's we'll reset. come back. We'll come back. More. More. Shohei Otani news. We'll also touch on Tommy's Yankees as Juan Soto. We were in the pinstripes this season. NFL Week 14 preview coming up. Raiders. Raiders. Home game tomorrow against the Minnesota Vikings. As well as a lot of divisional matchups as we head down the stretch for the playoffs. All that and more. All that and more. We got a Heisman Trophy winner as well. We'll get Tom's thoughts on that in our number two. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Back at a heat wave sports here on a Saturday night. Tom, listen to this. One person, this is for one person to attend a game at Dodger Stadium. Obviously, if you buy your tickets uh, from the different sites or you're able to get something day of, it, it changes. But for all the, the smart asses out there, this is just a generalized one person trip to Dodger Stadium. Beer, Beer, six seventy five. Six seventy five. That's going up this year. Hot dog, Dodger dog, six seventy five. Tom, it's going up this year. The highest hot dog in Major League Baseball, believe it. At Coors Field in Colorado, seven dollars and fifty cents. And here's the killer. Here's the killer. Average ticket price. Dodger Stadium for one person. So it costs ninety five dollars. To attend the game at Dodger State. Yeah, jeez. Now, now do a family of four, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the rich get richer, the rich get richer. and the rich can and afford rich to, to spend spend thousand dollars at a Dodger game, right? I mean, it, what are you gonna do, man? What are you gonna do, You know, it it it's sad because um, you know it it's me saying, hey, it's not my money, right? It's, it's easy for me to say, oh, it's not my money. And people go, oh, it's not my money. And I, I, I'm I'm a product of it myself. I just said it on the air a couple of times. But it is because eventually they're going to make it your money. You know, it's they're going to get that money out of you. One way or another. One way or another. Just so, just to, just just so, so we can move on to the next topic. The next when you topic, look at uh, what... What happens... What happens we've, we've talked about the Dodger side of it. What about the Angels, about the, the, the Angels, cross-town, cross-whatever, cross cross rival? rival. If anything, if it's anything, almost, uh, almost we, we saw it coming, right, Tom? But now it's official that it's happened. And there's the, and the there's, Angels have, the Angels have said, said money that money may have been saved for Otani. Let's just say $50 million. They can go get something done. And they're going to have to do it by the trade market, but they need to get something done now. Yeah, absolutely. They can get something done. I mean... 
you know, this might be a blessing in disguise for them. You can go out there. And like I said, look at the options that they've had. The angels have constantly had pitching issues. Now you could go out there and you could turn around and you could say, okay, well, um, we're not going to get saddled with another contract like Rendon. That only helps our hitting. We could go out there. They could be players for Blake Snell now. Maybe they're in the market to go out there and really make a splash and go get Corbin Burns. He, I hear he's from the area, right? Uh, maybe Cody Bellinger is a guy that works. And even if it's not this year, Tim, they will be shedding contract eventually. You, you know what I'm saying? So uh, the Angels, for all that, that Artie Marino is bad, you know, um, and, and all that you, you say about him and how horrible he is and, and all this, because he has done things. Look, he did pay Mike Trout. He did pay Albert Pools. He did pay Anthony Rendon. I mean, he went out there and he paid these guys. Some of them are stupid contracts, but he does spend the money, right? And you look at the Angels right now and what they have in their contract. Mickey Moniak, Zach Neto, Logan Hoppy, um, uh, you know, Jimmy Hergert, uh, Reed Detmers, Trey Cabbage, Sam Bachman, Joe Adele, all these guys are making under a million dollars that are going to be starting for them. You have a Taylor Ward making about $5 million, Rangifo making about $5 million, and then you get into, okay, their closer makes six and a half, and he's 31 years old. That's clearing off the books next year. Brandon Drew, he makes eight and a half. Well, you know what? Eight and a half, he's getting older. That's not, he won't be around for a long time. Tyler Anderson, the same thing. So you're going to have Trout and Rendon. That's it. If they really wanted to open up and really just said, okay, here we go. What is What What are we going to do? How can we use that money? Yeah, we were going to forget about uh, long term. We were willing to spend $50 million on Otani. Can, can they get, is there a way that they could get, you know, Bellinger and Snell for Otani's money? And only give them five-year deals? You know, that's what you have to start thinking about if you're an Angel fan. Can they can they go get Montgomery and uh, Snell and then go out there and try to plug a hole here and there in the lineup? Yeah, all these things can happen. The Angels are in a better position if they spend it properly here. Yeah. What about a guy like Trevor Bauer? Like he's, he's a California guy. California guy. Hasn't been in the majors in two years. Obviously had some Obviously legal had issues that were, legal appear to be cleared up. Uh, that's a guy you could bring in relatively bring in cheap, in I would assume, and, and, and change change the change dynamic, dynamic of the rotation of the right the there. Rotation right there. Hey, yeah, Bauer works too. Look, you could go on the cheap, and I'm not. I'm saying on the cheap, meaning you don't go get Burns and you don't go get Montgomery. You don't even get a Bellinger. You could go on the cheap here, Tim, and go get yourself. Uh, how, how does this sound for you? Trevor Bauer, Jordan Montgomery, and Josh Hader. Mm-hmm. How's that for an offseason for the Angels? It works, right? It works, right? I mean, you're an Angel fan, Tim. Oh, aren't you ecstatic about that? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the Angels are I'm, not in a bad position here. You know, the only team that I think gets hurt by this, um, there, there's two teams that, that potentially get crushed, but... Right now, Toronto looks like they have egg on their face. Um, it was leaked to Toronto. They were following the plane to Toronto. It was going to be Toronto. The The team around him knows, uh, okay, we wanted him, uh, but he he snubbed us. I mean, Toronto looks bad in this spot. This hurt Toronto. And it hurt the New York Mets. 
because Steve Cohen is by far the richest owner in the sport. Steve Cohen is yet to make that big play. Don't tell me Francisco Lindor is a big move, you know? He's yet to make that big move, that big play. You know that he was in on Otani. And, and now the Mets could be left holding the bag, especially with what the Yankees did. They don't even get the back headline. So I think that there's only two teams that get hurt here. The Angels, I, I think they're in a better position. Yeah, I said it, guys. I think the Angels, if they spend wisely, they're in a better position. Otani, 10 Ohtani. years, $700 million, officially waiting for the Dodgers to announce it, but it's a done is done. Is done. We're in Dodger blue, moving on. But let's talk about the other big story this week, Tom, right as the winter meetings ended. Seven player deal between the San Diego Padres and the New York Yankees. Juan Soto, Tommy, joins your team, something we saw. We saw happen in here the last couple weeks, so. Became official now. Became official you got now. Juan got Soto Juan at least Soto for one year, Tom. One year, Tom. What's what's going to happen what's here? Going to happen here. Uh, this is the bigger move. The, Juan Soto is a better player, first of all, than Shohei Otani. Number one, he is 25 years old. He's going to a team that needs a left-handed bat. He's going to a team that needs an on-base producer, a guy that that consistently gets on base. Juan Soto is every single thing that the New York Yankees needed. I don't want to hear about the long term. I don't care. The New York Yankees gave up players. Johnny Brito, they signed for $35,000. Vasquez for $10,000. Let's get real here. Michael King, I love him. He's 29 years old, coming off of two arm surgeries. He's never pitched more than 130 innings in his career. And he's a free agent after next year. So basically, this was maybe uh, Michael King rental and Drew Thorpe for potentially the best hitter in baseball. I mean, this is the best one-two punch of baseball. Forget about your Freeman Betts garbage. Judge and Soto are the best one-two hitters in baseball. Hands down. Do not argue it. Juan Soto is the absolute perfect, perfect, perfect fit for the New York Yankees. What they needed, if you gave Brian Cashman a checklist, go get a left go, go get a left-handed batter that is patient, that is young, that the fans can relate to, that has playoff or World Series big-time experience. Check it all with Juan Soto. They could have given up 15 players. And Brian Cashman, for as much as I bashed this guy, and I have bashed him, with the help of Hal, by the way, uh, Brian Cashman did this without giving up any of his top prospects. Peraza, Cabrera, Volpe, uh, go down the list, guys. They are Wells, Dominguez, Sweeney, Spencer Jones. They didn't give up any of their top prospects at all which means now he developed these guys he bought them for nothing developed them for nothing and he sold them for the biggest piece in baseball and that's Juan Soto this is everything the New York Yankees needed to do and I'll make a bold claim right now if the New York Yankees do nothing else this offseason I'll be upset but if they do nothing else this offseason they're still winning the division they're still going to the World Series nothing else and I still think they need pitching. I completely understand that. Okay? I still think they need, they need a solid arm. I get it. I still want them to make moves. But they don't have to. The thing is, they have capital to go do it. Peraza can go. Cabrera can go. Uh, you know, you go down the list. Spencer Jones can go. Sweeney can go. You are in a beautiful beautiful position. And I don't want to hear anybody sitting there going, well, what if the Yankees don't resign him? He's worth the rental. He really is, Tim. This guy is the, 
exact example of what the New York Yankees needed. And besides the on-the-field stuff, which I just documented, okay? Besides that, you want to give a, a, a Ronald Acuna, I love that. Go look at the on-base percentage between Acuna and Soto. They'll uh, spin you for a top, okay? But you go out there and you say, forget about all that. The New York Yankees told their fans that were wavering. They told the media. They told everybody else in baseball. When we want a player, we get a player. We're back and we're the Yankees. And that's exactly what they did. This was the move they needed to make. It saved Cashman's job. It got the fans off of Hal. It fixed the lineup. It helps the locker room. This is every single thing the New York Yankees needed to do. And, and you know, Tim, one real quick before you comment. The other thing is he wanted to be here. You know, this is a guy that when he was on Washington was talking about how, how he was a Yankee fan. This is a guy that when he was in the Padres was in the Major League Baseball shop saying he wanted a Derek Jeter jersey. He wanted to be here. Within minutes, he turned around and sent his Instagram to Soto in Yankee letters. And he, he's he got a little bit of showboat in him, okay, which I don't normally like. But I don't care because he's that good, that talented, and he's a fierce competitor. I love everything about it. This is the big move of the offseason. Forget Otani. That's just money. This helps the team. With with all that being said, Tom, all that being said Tom, give me the give, give me, me the, the negative spin the on negative that. Why it's not why good it's for not good the Yankees. The negatives are looked at. They don't have pitching depth. I don't care. Uh, the negatives are. Well, you know what? You're gonna have to resign him now. You know what I mean? Like like they have. If he's a rental, and the Yankees don't win the World Series, people will just think that it's a it's a, a flub again by Cashman. Um I, I think it's worth the shot. You know, I, I I do. Every every free agent that the New York Yankees brought into New York to take a shot have all loved it and signed. You know, go go look at the history of the New York Yankees and, and what has happened. They've signed. That's what they they don't get one year rentals that walk. But if he does, it's fine. It's okay. There's no downside to this, Tim. None. If Drew Thorpe becomes an ace I don't care. If all of a sudden, it, you know, Michael King finds his rhythm at 30 years old and he can pitch 180 innings and he becomes an ace and they get, San Diego gets two aces, I don't care. Prospects are prospects until they're proven, number one. This is a depth position that the Yankees had. These are guys that they developed for nothing. This is the best move under Brian Cashman's reign and it's not particularly close. So the next, next, besides what possible trades could happen here here, as we move towards, uh, really, camps open in February. So Yamamoto's name comes up. He's the next big name on the off-season checklist, Tommy. Any movement on what happens? He's posted, so now it's a matter of who's just going to put the biggest bid in. He's Cashman. You know, let me give you a little scenario here with the Yankees. Brian Cashman doesn't travel. Brian Cashman traveled to watch him play. Brian Cashman revealed, and the Yankees brass revealed, they had a scout at every single one of his starts last year. Yamamoto. Yamamoto has been seen wearing a Yankee hat, has been told, you know, has told others he's a Yankee fan, okay? Yamamoto also is a guy that you look at and you go, okay, this is the age. Cole is the best pitcher in baseball right now, but where's Cole going to be in two or three years? Oh, Yamamoto's only 25. Okay, you know, you screwed up with Rodon, but Yamamoto's right there. Yamamoto is going to be either a New York Yankee or a New York Met. And the only reason that he will be a New York Met 
is very simply because of what, what I've, I've said on the air before. If Steve Cohen takes this personal, if Steve Cohen takes Shohei Otani being personal and the snub of that, and if Steve Cohen feels, you know what, I, I can't believe I just lost Juan Soto. Uh, we thought we were going to sign him. If he takes his personal, no one's going to touch Yamamoto. I, 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 Steve Cohen will give him $600 million just to prove a point. I mean, he really will. The Yankees aren't going to go near that. But if all is equal today, and you're talking about a couple million here or there, Yamamoto's going to the New York Yankees. And if he goes to the New York Yankees, you're, you're going to look at heads explode that the Dodgers sign Shohei, the Yankees get Soto and Yamamoto, and just set up the World Series now. Big, big moves from the power teams in Major League Baseball. Anything that you want to touch on the winter meetings? As a, Again, we, we kind of prefaced it. We didn't expect anything big to happen. And it happened right at the end. But other than that, some some uh, trades, some depth moves, nothing really major, major. Yeah, you know, when we were talking, Tim, me and you said it, and you said, when is it going to happen? And I hearkened back to, to when I went to Vegas there for the Machado and Harper moves. And I, I said, once one block falls, they all fall. And you saw it. Soto fell. Otani fell. I think the next week ahead here is going to be hot and heavy. Um, it's going to really, really come cr- crumbling down. Starting pitching is at a premium. So I understand why that is is kind of dragging. But the, the number's been set. Bellinger has to go very quickly here because he's got to kind of play off of the momentum. He's not going to get $700 million, clearly. Uh, but you, you're going to start watching these hitters and these teams get set. From speaking to general managers, as much as I have, they all like to sort of know what their roster is going to be come Christmas. That's generally the, the date. Now, things happen after that, sure. But they generally like to have their rosters sort of set in their head before Christmas. They don't want to be looking at a giant gaping hole. Do I think that big trades can come down after Christmas? Yeah, I do. But I think we're going to see signings. I think Bellinger signs here quickly. Um, Snell or Montgomery is going to get the starting pitching market kind of rolling I think with all the trade speculation of Cease and Burns, that was dragging a little. But I expect that to kind of pick up real fast. I still think the Mets have to do something. You can't dangle Yamamoto. Maybe maybe the pitching market is waiting for Yamamoto. But you can't dangle Yamamoto and fall short. Uh, there's also two other Japanese guys coming over. Um, Lee and as well as another starting pitcher. So watch those movements as well. It's going to be like the dominoes with pitching. Yamamoto signs. We're going to watch Snell sign, Montgomery sign. I think they all get signed before Christmas. Maybe a big trade or two after that, but you're going to see the big teams. Teams that now have to make a move, the Angels and the Mets have to make a move. I think the Yankees still do make a move, and that begs the question, what happens to Toronto? How do you dangle Otani to your fans? Say you're going to spend seven, eight hundred million million, $800 which is the reported numbers, and then lose him and then do, do nothing. I think the Mets in Toronto are in the biggest positions that have to do something with the Angels behind, but do not be surprised if the Yankees and Dodgers are still very active. What about other money teams like the Cubs, like Giants, Giants, Mariners? Mariners? I think they left holding the bag. You know, I, I mean, the Mariners, they might make small moves. I don't think that they're going to get that big hitter because I don't see him out there. Um, maybe, maybe if the White Sox decide to sell an Eloy Jimenez, they're going to have to do it by a trade. Giants? I don't know what their plan B is. And, and the Cubs the Cubs feel like they have to kind of replace Cody Bellinger. Uh, but let's be honest. The Cubs had 
their plan and set already. They weren't relying upon Otani. So Cubs, Giants, yeah, they might they might be players here. I just don't know what their plan is. The same thing with Seattle. Giants. How about the Giants? Not, not that they were all in on Otani. They were just speculated, they, obviously. They were all in on Arson Judge. Yes, Arson yes, Judge. Arson and Judge. So, so I guess if you want to go that route, two years in a row, they're left holding the bag, Tom. Yeah, and that's the problem. It's you know, they don't have a draw there. Who's their who's their big guy? Who who are you going to see for the Giants? Yeah. You know, they don't have that. And they always have had that. Even if it was Buster Posey, you had that draw, you had that guy, you had Buster Posey, you had Barry Bonds, you always had that player. They had the Will Clark even before that. They just don't have it this year. And they don't they haven't had it, you know, for two years now. There's no draw. They're, they're a good team, solid. But they got. They have to go out there and make a stab. Bellinger makes a ton of sense for that team. He's Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. Tom Tom Tim Ungles, we Matea with you here on a Saturday night. In our number two, week 14 of the National Football League. We'll get you game by game. Talk about that. And there's a Heisman Trophy winner. We'll, we'll let you, everybody know who doesn't know who Mr. Jalen Daniels is. Daniels is in our number two. Our is Heatwave Sports. Sports? Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio. And now back to Heatwave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. Hour two, Heatwave Sports, Fox, Fox Sports, Sports Radio, Fox Las, Sports Vegas. Radio Las, Vegas. Las Vegas. Reminder: No show tomorrow night. No show Vegas tomorrow Golden Knights hockey. So, Tom, before we get, Tom, into, before we get into NFL Week 14, Jaden Daniels, Daniels captures, captures the Heisman Trophy. Heisman Trophy. He had 3,500 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing. First player to do that since Johnny Manziel in 2012. He's also now the second quarterback from LSU to be the Heisman Trophy winner in the last four years. Obviously, Joe Burrow was, was that guy in 2019. You said this was going to be the answer last answer week, last and, that's what happened. and that's what happened. Yeah, look, this is uh, <laughs> this is maybe the worst Heisman Trophy winner we've ever had. Um, the most boring, for sure. The most unmemorable, absolutely, 100%. And I don't want to call the guy undeserving, but boring, yeah. Least impressive, absolutely. Uh, you look at what Jaden Daniels did. LSU was one in three against ranked opponents, Tim. And he's the quarterback. You know, what, what's his big moment? He had 17 touchdowns against teams that I'm pretty sure that me and you could do a pretty decent job against. You know, you left out Michael Penix. Ma- Michael Penix is the, the Heisman Trophy winner. here. His team is undefeated. He's got the most passing yards in the league. You, he's got everything that you want. The Heisman Trophy is supposed to be more than just statistics. You wanted to tell me that Jaden Daniels is the most, uh, I, I guess, statistically impressive quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to sit back and tell me the guy that earned the Heisman Trophy beating Oregon twice when he was a 10.5-point underdog, you want to tell me that? Yeah, come on. You know, come on. This is It's Michael Penix. So you can... You can Enjoy the guy and say, you know, he he might be a great pro. Who knows? 
And he had a great year. I get it. He had a very good year. The guy that deserved it was Michael Penix. The guy that won it may go down in history as the most boring and, I don't know, least exciting quarterback that, that has ever won the Heisman. Jaden Daniels, six touchdown passes against Georgia State. Tom, five against Grambling, four against Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Missouri. Like you said, it's overblown video game numbers. Yeah, it really is. And look, you know, there has to be something said for winning games and winning big games. Jaden Daniels is going to be the better pro than Michael Penix. Michael Penix continues to win big games. He's the quarterback of an undefeated team. He hasn't lost a game in, in 20 games. He's leading the league in, I mean, leading the, the country in passing. It's not like he was, he was a bum statistically. So what are we doing again? You know, I mean, we're giving an MVP to a last place team again. I know LSU wasn't last place, but one and three against top ranked teams, that'll tell you something. I, 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 look, I'm not even arguing the Bo Nix factor. And the people wanted Bo Nix. Bo Nix lost. He lost twice to Washington. I, I'm fine with not giving it to him. I'm perfectly okay with it. I, I'm okay with not giving it to Harrison, who I think is the best player in college football. Why? Because you have guys, and one of them is actually on Washington, that play the same position that had better numbers. I'm okay with it. But when you talk about Heisman, it's supposed to be, what do you do to your team? It's bigger than just statistics. Can you raise your team up? Are you a leader? Are you a good person on and off the field? All of that. Michael Penix checks every box. So congratulations to Jalen Daniels. You'll have a good career. He's an exciting player. Just didn't think his resume deserved a Heisman this year when you are up against a guy like Penix. Bowl games start next Saturday. So 60-plus for you guys to enjoy here over the holiday season, Tom. So let's get into week 14 of the National Football League. And we'll start this week's schedule in Atlanta, Tom, the 5-7 and seven Bucks against the 6-6 six and six Falcons. Falcons about a field goal favorite at home. And, and yes, Tommy, both these teams technically still in the playoff chase. Technically in the playoff chase because, I mean, look at that division. I got to give Atlanta credit. I didn't think that they were going to be good last year, uh, last week. I, I didn't see them winning last week. And they just continue to kind of keep putting it up there. 6-6. Uh, six and six, 500 without a quarterback, <laughs> right? And look, what they're doing after the bye week is playing really good defense. They've given up 23 points since the bye week. They gave up 23 points before the bye week just to the Cardinals alone. So here we go. The Bucs, they can't score. They're all banged up. Look, I would be taking the Bucs in this spot if I believed that Devin White was in there, but he might not be. Levante David was in there, but he might not be. Not, might not be. Godwin was in there. We don't know how banged up he is. So, I want to lean the Bucks because I, I I think when you have the top 20 ranked red zone defense, which I keep heightening back to, I, I think that's a good thing that you want to take points with that. But I can't with their two best players on defense, their two middle linebackers, their two reasons that you are a top defense inside the red zone, both of them banged up. I, you got to lean the Falcons until you know if they're playing. Through 12 games. Through 12 games. B. John Robinson. B. John Robinson. Falcon, Falcon, rookie running back, high first-round draft, first draft pick. Tommy has, Tommy has 750, 750 yards, yards rushing, rushing three, touchdowns. three touchdowns. 
is that acceptable so far through 12 games? It's fine. You know, it's fine because how they're using him. Um, He started to get better now. He doesn't really have a great offensive line, and his coach is an idiot. So, I mean, it's fine. I'm not going to call the guy a bust, but certainly not what you expected. Go from the NFC South to the NFC North. Detroit Lions 9-3 and taking on the Chicago Bears. Tommy, your Bears. 4-8. and The Lions 3.5-point favorite on the road in this one. And Tim, I got a little uh, Bears love here for you. All of a sudden, the Bears defense is good. Yeah, can you believe it? I mean, the Bears defense is actually good. They went out there, they made a trade. We know they made a trade with Washington, but it started to happen a little bit before that. The Bears defense, the last eight weeks, so we're not talking about a couple of games here. The last eight weeks, the Bears, uh, you go around go around, and you look at the Monsters of the Midway. They rank number one in interceptions, number two in yards attempt, number one in rushing success against, number two in yards per catch. They had a 12-point lead with four minutes to go against Detroit. In Detroit, okay? The Lions defense, meanwhile... They have allowed 28 points in four straight games, 26 points in six straight games. Justin Fields has three straight 100-yard rushing games against this team. I watch everybody. It's like 85% of the people loading up on Detroit. I'm telling you, the Bears are a different team right now. This is not just Bears talk. This is pure facts, and that's why I wanted to give you guys those facts because this is not a Bears homer talk. This is me saying the Lions are not quite as good as people think they are. The Bears are not quite as bad anymore as people think they are. Lions 9-3, Tom. Uh, looked a little human here in the last couple weeks. Yeah, their defense is just bad. And it's one of the things that before the year began, we talked about the Lions, and I said, you know, they have Hutchinson, who's fantastic. But after Hutchinson, who's going to get to the passer? And I worried about their secondary. Well, the secondary held up in the beginning part of the year. And now, not so much. Their defense has completely fallen off the map. And Jared Goff, by the way, we know he's not good outdoors. He's got to go outdoors. The wind and rain won't be what we thought it was going to be, but it's still going to be really cold, and it's going to be outdoors. I would not be running to the window like 85% of you guys are doing to go take the Lions. Let's go back to that atrocious NFC South, Tom Panthers. 1-11. and 11. At the New Orleans Saints, who are at 5-7. and seven. Saints are a six-point favorite at home in this matchup. A, a Saints win here, Tom. Falcon loss puts a three-way tie in that division with Tampa. Well, if the Saints win, we've been saying that for three weeks. Well, four weeks if you include the bye. You know, they should have beat the Vikings. They should have beat the Falcons. They should have beat the Lions. But they didn't. Now, I liked the resiliency of the Saints last week. Lions got out to a 21-0 lead, and the, the Saints said, no, we're coming back here. You know, we, we are absolutely coming back. And they did. They came back in that game. Is it going to be Carr? Is it going to be Winston? Do you have a lot of faith in that? Taysom Hill looks like he's going to sit out. He's been a massive weapon. I just feel like this Panthers team hangs in games, and they hang around, and they're just that feisty team. I don't have any belief that they could win the game. But look, three-point loss against the Bears, seven-point loss against the Titans, three-point loss against the Bucks. They're fighting every week. I would not want to be laying six points with the Saints team. Banged up. We don't know where the quarterback is. They're missing a weapon on offense. And now all of a sudden you're playing a Panthers team that is playing much better over the last four weeks. 
Houston Texans seven and five. Quite the surprise so far through 12 games. C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, 3,500 yards passing, 20 touchdowns for Houston at the New York Jets. Tom four and eight. And here's a uh, a rarity that you'll see. Houston three and a half point favorite on the road. Tim, there's wind advisory. Up to 55 mile per hour winds in <laughs> in New Jersey for tomorrow's game. Uh, it's supposed to be nasty. It's supposed to be wet. It's supposed to be gross. Zach Wilson's coming back. Uh, Tank Dell, not going to be there. Dalton Schultz, not going to be there. The over-under for uh, C.J. Stroud, people are talking about the MVP, is 190. Because the Jets have shut down major, major talented quarterbacks this year. Look at who the Jets have shut down over the course of the season. You know, look, two had a pretty big game against them, obviously, and 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 Josh Allen, but um, Herbert didn't go off. No, Hurts they kept in check. They kept Mahomes in check. They kept Dak in check somewhat. The, the New York Jets defense can have success in this spot. I think it's a dangerous spot to all of a sudden love the Texans on the road, giving points, nasty conditions when their team is all banged up. On the flip side, do you have any any trust in Zach Wilson? The guy didn't even want to play this game. Do you have any trust? And any faith that Zach Wilson can get it done, you're going to have to put your money on Zach Wilson. That's a tough spot to have. Uh, but I don't mind those three and a half points in my pocket. When you look at the Jets season, the Jets and, and season, obviously Jet fans obviously are just Jet as oblivious to what common sense is, common is, is there is. with They're going to blame it on Rodgers getting hurt in week one, right? When you look at the whatever happens at the end of the season, is it over for Robert Salah? Is that experiment over? It should be, but it won't be. It won't be because they bowed to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is going to say, no, I want to keep him. I want to keep Hackett. I want to keep my aging receivers. I want to keep my overrated running back. Yeah, he's going to say, this is what I want. And Aaron Rodgers gets what he wants. And he gets the the idiot Jet fans to believe what he wants. So, yeah, I mean, look, I think Sal is going to stay, but he shouldn't. The Jake Browning era began Monday night, Tom, for Cincinnati. He had a huge game in that win over Jacksonville on the road. They're home this week, 6-6. All of a sudden, right back in the playoff. Joey Joey Burrow goes down. Bengals still technically right there, right by Pittsburgh. They entertained the Indianapolis five of their If you're keeping track, keeping track. And one away from away from Lucas Field. Lucas Field. Bengals two point favorite tomorrow. Ah, this is a tough one. It's a really tough game. I don't believe that Jake Browning, who I watched every game he played in college, I don't believe Jake Browning is as good as he looked on Monday night. I also believe that Gardner Minshew has been a little exposed. Now he's looked better the last uh, two weeks, but he's been a little exposed. I like Zach Moss. I do. I, I think you know, nice prop play for would be Zach Moss over rushing yards tomorrow. But there's still some concern there for me about playing a backup running back, a backup quarterback on the road uh, with with this small of a of a number. The Bengals are getting better at their skill positions more and getting healthy is what I should say. Um, but then a guy like like Tyler Boyd goes down, right? You, you look at certain angles and you go, well, how important is Tyler Boyd? Well, he's pretty important if Burrow is not in there. And Joe Mixon has been a shell of himself. Maybe they give Brown more opportunities. I think the Bengals are in flux, but it's a lot to ask the Colts to go on the road and win this game, even in this spot. I lean the Colts just because I'm getting a couple of points. 
do you, do you feel do you like feel even like with if Jake Browning became the next, I I don't know, Tom, uh, Joe Burrow, Burrow, how about that? that? Obviously, when you see a quarterback with his first, in his first game, things can happen. happen. A lot of times you see it be negative because they try to, they try to uh, slow roll the the situation. But do you still, if for some reason he caught lightning in a bottle, are the Bengals good enough, Tom, to get to the Super Bowl? No, no. Not at all. They weren't good enough with Burrow. Their, their running game is subpar. Their offensive line has been bad for years, and their secondary is still in flux. No, absolutely not. Jags coming off a bad loss Monday night at Cleveland. Jags are 8-4. and four. Game ahead of Indianapolis in the south. 5-0 and oh on the road, Tom. Jags are undefeated on the road this year, and they'll be in Cleveland the Browns are seven and five. Browns They're also five, five and one. Five and one at Cleveland Browns at Stadium. Stadium. Cleveland about a field goal favorite. Their defense is substantially better at home, and it's supposed to be a nasty day. They they have expecting some rain. Uh, you know, uh, it'll be it's not going to be freezing, but some rain, a little bit of wind there. Trevor Lawrence is everything. Um, if Trevor Lawrence plays, how do you not take the two and a half of the three points here? And even if he doesn't. I just don't think the Browns are that offensively good that they could go up and uh, you want to lay points with them. It looks like it might be Joe Flacco. Look, they've scored 19 and 12 points in back-to-back weeks against the Broncos and the Rams. Not like we're going up against big defenses here. They scored 10 points the week before that. We're talking about in the last three weeks, guys. And then you go, oh, by the way, you know, three straight weeks playing defenses that are good but not great. But three straight weeks where two of the three weeks you didn't score more than one touchdown. One of them you scored one touchdown. I I don't think that you can expect to beat the Jaguars even, Tim, even without um, um, uh, uh, the Trevor Lawrence factor. I think you could beat them by three in this spot by only scoring 17 points. You know, that that's the thing. How many points do you give to the Browns in this spot? Are they going to have... Their biggest breakout in a month against the Jaguars' defense coming off of a Monday night embarrassment? No, I don't think so. I think the Jags' defense is much better than what we watched on Monday night. I think that they keep them, you know, Cleveland to 17, maybe 14 points. So you're gonna you're willing to bet that the Browns win 17-10, 14-10, something like that? I'm not. Did I lose you, Tim? No, I'm here. I'm here, buddy. No, I'm here. I'm here. One more morning game one for you. Game. The Rams, 6-6. Six and Rams, six. Six and six. A little bit of a roll here as they try to squeeze into the playoffs. They'll be in Baltimore to take on the Ravens, 9-3. Nine and three. Coming off the bye week, Tom. Ravens are a 7.5-point favorite at home. And for the Ravens, the schedule gets significantly tougher in the next two weeks. They got Jacksonville in Jacksonville next week. And then the Christmas matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. They're a touchdown favorite tomorrow. Well, they're off of a bye week. And that means a lot here, right? Uh, Lamar Jackson off of a bye week. This, this should be fantastic. But the Ravens, who are off of a bye week under Harbaugh, are 12-3 and three after a bye week. They're at home. They're up against a team that will not like the elements that will be rain and whatnot that will be there. The Ravens lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns, and the Rams are ranked in the bottom half in rushing touchdowns. They're ranked 12th to the bottom. The Ravens have scored 30 or more points in the last four games. The Ravens 
are the much better team. It's a matter of focus with them. And look, you're the <laughs> you're the Ravens fan. I don't have to tell you. They will often lose focus. That's just reality. And they play down to their competition. The Rams are going to be able to move the ball a little bit. Uh, can they defend? I don't think so. I think this is a running game. I think this is a Keaton Mitchell coming out party. This is a 100-yard rushing, two, three touchdowns for him. I can't imagine that the Ravens have too much trouble with the Rams. But once it went to seven and a half, you got to pause a little bit. I, I like the fact that I, Baltimore's I like the coming off the bye, like you said. I think you, you put it perfectly, the losing the focus. If it had this, had there been a game last week, I definitely would be in that boat. But I'm on the other side. I like Baltimore tomorrow. Uh, even though the Rams have been playing better, playing better, and I don't think there's a look ahead in this spot because they have the break. It's almost a perfect time, I think, for the break. It's too late in the year, but for them, they're going to take advantage of it here and be rested. And there's, there is a tough schedule coming up, Tommy, for the Ravens, but I think the break came at the perfect time. Yeah, I do too. It It's kind of the get-right moment for them. They're trying a new offense. Okay, let's assess how it's been. They're trying to get Keaton Mitchell involved a lot more now uh, than Gus Edwards. Okay, let's take a week off and get him involved. Oh, we're still dealing with Mark Andrews not being the offense. No problem. Take a week off. Let's get Likely involved. Uh, I, I like that they're they're changing things up because they have to at this point because you look at them and you go, yeah, you know what? The, the, this week they can fix a lot of those. I'm going to call them minor errors, and that's what it is. It's minor mistakes. We come back from the final timeout. We'll look at the afternoon matchups and the Sunday night game. Some big ones. Buffalo will be in Kansas City. Philly at Dallas. And, of course, here in Vegas. Not really playoff implications, but the Las Vegas Raiders will have a home game tomorrow against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll look at that one as well. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. Now back to Heat Wave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. UNLV basketball dropped the game tonight over at the Dollar Loan Center, losing 78-75 to Loyola Marymount. Rebels back in action Wednesday, Tom, also at the Dollar Loan Center against number 10, Creighton. Listen, I like Creighton a lot, man. I've been making a lot of money on them on team total overs. Um, before the year, I told you guys that was my my championship winner. That was that was the team I thought was going all the way. Uh, to me, they could score a hundred every night, but the more impressive thing is they can keep you under fifty. I love. I, I, I'm. I, I love the fact that I am holding a ticket for them to win it all. I wonder what the line's going to be on that game, Tom. Oh. Oh man, I I don't know. It's hard. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. Twenty. Maybe shade under, right? Shade a little under, bit under that. Eighteen and a half, maybe something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens Wednesday night happens here, Wednesday in here in Vegas. Put it this way: if All it's right. under twenty, I'm taking them. Okay. Okay. Give me Creighton in the over. Yeah, yeah. So over under over what? Under one forty? Fifty. One fifty. Okay. Okay. I mean, you got to think about it. Look, but yeah, well, I was going to, yeah. I, Creighton <laughs> score. No, that's the whole thing. Creighton scoring 80. You know, they're scoring 80. So 
can UNLV keep them to under 90? That's where you where you come up. You know, if, if they don't cover the spread, you're going to get the over and you, you kind of split hairs there. They're scoring 80. Mm-hmm. I may just go with my team total again. Give me my give me team total if it's under 83, 84. Let me get a fantasy, get football, a fantasy football advice from Tom advice Barton, from Sports. Tom Here Barton Sports. Here we go. You can start two, you of, can these start guys, two of these guys, Tom. Oh, boy. Okay. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Jonathan Taylor, who's Jonathan out, Taylor so that that's out, he, so he eliminates that's, himself. He eliminates himself. Miles, Sanders, Miles Sanders, Keaton Mitchell, Keaton Mitchell Gus, Edwards. Gus Edwards. Start two. Oof. Oh. You go oh, with the Ravens. I, I was a hundred percent going with Mitchell and uh, Lair. <sighs> oh, oh, I just think that I think that the Ravens run all over them. It w- look, I wouldn't be. Upset if you went Edwards and Mitchell, because mm-hmm. everybody thinks that that Clyde edwards helaire is going to have this huge game. Buffalo's defense is pretty good. Number one, number two, they may be playing from behind, and that means more McKinnon. I, oh man, you could get burnt. It, it look, I, I would need to know where you are and kind of like what you're expecting. To me, the safest bet is play Edwards, play Mitchell. You know for a fact one of them is going to get you. Probably 15 points. If the other guy can chip in five, that's 20. Because um, Edwards Alaire, he might get you 25 by himself, but he might get you like two or three. Right. So I would go safe and give me the Baltimore duo. That's what I'm thinking. So and I'm thinking the thing with Edwards Alaire is the re- only reason he's so hot is because so Pacheco's not playing. not playing. So, so if they were playing, they were playing um, uh, the Panthers, the Panthers? They, Let's, let's go, right? But let's go, right? no, they're but playing the Bills, like you said. And, and as we're talking about that, the Bills, six and six, one win away from Orchard Park. They're at Kansas City, eight and four. We already talked about KC, right? Very wishy-washy this year. Yet they're eight and four. They're going to win that division. They're going to be in the playoffs. They are a one-point favorite at home against Buffalo. I kind of lean Buffalo here, Tom. Yeah, I do too. And so does everybody else because the line has dropped from three to one. Um, and... and yeah, look, mo- losing Pacheco certainly helps. And as as much as I like him, let's just be honest, he's got you know, he's got three touchdowns in the last uh, eight weeks. So it, it's not you know, he's got three touchdowns in the last eight weeks. He's broke a hundred yards once. He's broke eighty yards twice in, in the last nine weeks since October, since October began. You know, so it hurts. Um, I think this is more Buffalo backs against the wall off off of a bye week and. Josh Allen is 2-0 in Kansas City. He knows how to win there. They know how to win there. I think everyone's looking at Kansas City as a broken team. I will not touch this game. There's no chance I'm betting this game. Uh, I, I will tell you that right away. There's no chance I'm betting this team, um, this game. But if you're asking me who, I think Buffalo has to win this game. I think Buffalo is in less of a dire situation than Kansas City, who doesn't know who their identity is anymore. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, the last three weeks, three of the last four games, I should say, three of the last four games, Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 210, 177, and 185 yards. He is just three 300-yard games all year, and he's passed for more than 240 yards in only half of his games. Patrick Mahomes is not Patrick Mahomes this year. I will say this, Tom, about Kansas City. 
coming off what are perceived as bad losses. There are three of the four, right? Say the, the Eagles loss. Obviously, with the Eagles at, at, uh, with their record, we're not considering it a bad loss. But. I will consider the will opening consider night the loss to Detroit, loss Detroit bad. Detroit they were bad. able to come back on the road at Jacksonville, win 17-9. Bad loss at Denver. They were able to come back and win uh, overseas against the Dolphins. And then a bad loss now against the Packers last week, right? And you have Buffalo. We could potentially see a, what, Tom, 38-35 game, right? Yeah, Maybe. But let's be honest, uh, both of these defenses have been playing pretty good this year as well. Um, I tend to think everybody thinks it's going to be an over game, 48, 48 and a half, going up to maybe 49. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. The Bills and the Chiefs are both winless this season when they allow more than 20 points. Um, you know, the Bills' offense looks a little bit better. I don't know if the Chiefs get it done. I'm just, you know... I won't touch this game because of that. I'm all I'm all up in the air on both. What I will say is this, is that despite a lot of narrative, and I, I tweeted this out on uh, Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. I retweeted this. Greeny um, put out a great just conversation about Josh Allen. Anybody that doesn't think that he's elite, if not <laughs> I mean, playing at an MVP level, you're crazy right now. Josh Allen, who right now... Where he is, where his team is, is playing better than Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen has outplayed Patrick Mahomes six touchdowns, zero interceptions, to four touchdowns, uh, four interceptions. He's outplayed him in head-to-head matchups as well. So Josh Allen right now, if you want to talk about quarterback, Josh Allen's the better quarterback right now. Josh Allen's having a better season right now. Josh Allen's been better head-to-head than Patrick Mahomes as well. Josh Allen over one-and-a-half touchdowns tomorrow. I love it. Absolutely love it. And, I, and he's been running more. I like over the 33 and a half yards uh, rushing as well. In what may have set the NFL, set back, the NFL back 20 years 20 last years week, last the L.A. Chargers won a game 6 to nothing over the New England Patriots, Tom. They'll be at home. Field goal favorite, 5-7 and seven as they welcome in the Denver Broncos, 6-6. Six and six. You like Denver here, don't you? Yeah, I do. I, I think I was buying into what Denver's been doing. And I just don't buy into the Chargers. Look, I know their defense has been better. And Khalil Mack is just playing on a different level right now. But you played the Patriots. You know, oh, well, they've been better against the Ravens and they were better against the, the Packers. They, they gave up 41 to the Lions. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not impressed with the Chargers. The Broncos, meanwhile, you want to talk about impressive. Look, everyone loves the, the Packers right now. So just keep that in mind. They beat the Chiefs. Or, or they lost uh, by 11 points to the Chiefs in a game that they should have won. Then they beat the Packers, beat the Chiefs, had a bye week, beat the Bills, beat the Vikings, beat the Browns, lost to the Texans last week because uh, of just some really, really bad play calling at the end of the game and bad execution. I mean, if that didn't happen, we're talking about six wins in a row, but even still, they've won five of the last six. And you got to like the Broncos in this spot. About the Chargers playing the string out here. Technically, they're they're not eliminated, but they might as well be. And they're just playing the string out here as you're looking at a complete uh, switch over in the front office and obviously in the coaching staff in the offseason. Yeah, look, I I mean, nothing is saving this guy's job and nothing should. Let's just be honest. Nothing should save his job. He's, He's out of his depth. The team... 
has, has really just gone awry. Austin Eckler can't do anything out there. Now they're talking about maybe making a switch at the running back position, as if that's your problem. Uh, <laughs> this is a it's a collection of a lot of talented guys that are not playing on the same page. Now, now he's a free agent after this season, so he's probably gone. Uh, if it wasn't for uh, look, Keenan Allen's had had this unbelievable season, right? No doubt about that. But how about Justin Herbert? Tom, three thousand yards passing, twenty touchdowns. He's going to have another head coach, it looks like, another offensive coordinator, unless the offensive coordinator becomes the head coach, which we discussed earlier this season. Got a feel for this guy, man. He's so talented. It's not having a bad year, Tom, but he's not having an extraordinarily great season either. But he's also never elevated his team, Tim. You know, I mean, there, there is that flip side to it. I do feel bad for him because I think he's uber talented. But he's also never elevated his team. We've watched, at times, the great quarterbacks in this league, great quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, great quarterbacks like uh, even Dak, um, even even Dak and Jalen Hurts, right? Burrow, put their team on their back and say, just come with me. We're going to go out there and win this thing, right? Lamar, come with me. We're, we're going to win this thing. You just don't see that with Herbert. Uh, he's missing something. I don't know what it is. And maybe it is 100 offensive coordinators and an inept, just moronic coach. Maybe that's what it is, Tim. Go get Harbaugh there and see what he can do because – at this point, he needs something. There's something missing with Justin Herbert. And he's, to me, he's floating along a path where he's a good quarterback, putting up good numbers. But you're going to start to have to have that question of, ah, eh, why isn't he great? Yeah. Well, you, you know, the, well, the, you names, know, you the said, names you said, Mahomes has Reed Mahomes and has Reed. Allen has McDermott, right? And in Dak's case, I'm sure Mike McCarthy's just like, he's smart enough to know just to let it go, right? Just let him do what he's got to do. There's just too much interference in L.A., and it's not even the moronic coach now. It's the moronic coaches they've had in his career, right? Yeah, it is. But but in the same turn, you know, it's not a slight to say what I'm saying about it, Herbert. I think he's more Kirk Cousins than he is Josh Allen, right? Which Josh Allen is a is putting together a Hall of Fame career superstar, unquestioned, dynamic, elite player in the league. Kirk Cousins is a very good player, puts up good stats. But, you know, he's almost seen as a transitional guy. It wouldn't shock me if Herbert's career looked a lot more like his. How about Matthew Stafford? Justin Herbert kind of reminded me a little bit about Matthew Stafford when you're talking about inept coaching and, and guys around him. Well, Herbert signed an extension with the Chargers earlier this year, Tom, so he's there for a while unless he's traded. Is he, would you say, Herbert, top 10 quarterback right now? 10, yes, 5, no. Okay, fair enough. Without, without, doing it, without doing it real quick, I mean, you know, Burrow, I'll take over him. I'll take Burrow, I'll take Tua, um, I'll take Lamar, uh, obviously taking Mahomes. Uh, I'm Allen. certainly taking Allen. Allen. I'm taking Hurts, I'm taking Dak. And then it gets, uh, so that's 7 without a doubt. And then you start getting into the conversation, do you take a Trevor Lawrence above him? Mm-hmm. It starts getting into the conversation, do you take a, a Brock Purdy above him? Do you, do you take a, you know, a Kirk Cousins above him? Uh, that, that's kind of outside the top five for sure, inside the top ten most likely. So we'll say seven at best, ten at worst. Seven at best, he probably falls down to like nine or ten for me. 
Speaking of Brock Purdy, Tom, the Niners, 9-3. Nine and three. Coming off a 42-point road win at Philadelphia. They're averaging 34 points in the last four games. They are a two-touchdown favorite tomorrow against NFC West rival Seattle, who is 6-6, six and six, starting to fade a little bit here. What do you like? What do you like? First glance, oh, you got to love the Niners, you know, but then you go, wait, they're traveling across the country. Uh, first glance, you go, you know, it's a lot of points. All right, so if you're trying to convince me with the points, well, Geno Smith is injured. Oh, okay. And Kenneth Walker's injured. Ooh, that's not good. Zach Charbonnet is injured. Oh, I don't like that. Jordan Brooks is injured. I don't like it again. I mean, this has Niners winning by 30 written all over it. I just hate laying the 13 and a half in a divisional game after a huge win like that, especially the emotional win. They wanted to shove it to Philadelphia, and they did exactly that. Take the points, then. Take the points, then. I don't know. I can't do it without Gino. We don't know Gino's situation. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. When I you look know. at the double, it's the double, double digits, double, right, Tom? It's the thing, thing we've always talked, talked about. about. I know, I know recently, recently teams have been covering these numbers, but numbers. it's just so hard. It's so on a hard. Four, you got to do 14 here. They could literally be up 21. Eight point, uh, Eight point last uh, second last touchdown, second you're done. Touchdown, you're, you're, you're screwed. So, thirty seventeen, you lose, and and Niners have full control of that game. Yeah, thirty seventeen, dominant, dominant win, but you lost your bet. But you lost your bet. Right. Thirty yeah. ten, and a late a late touchdown that nobody cares about, except everybody cares about. <laughs> right. Right. Vegas home Vegas tomorrow home. over at Allegiant Stadium. Tom, I'll be at this one. Second game here in the last couple of weeks. So. First question before we talk about the game, because I got to know, is Justin Jefferson playing tomorrow? He's playing tomorrow, um, and I think people are making a little bit too much about it. Look, I think he's going to come back and have a great game. Remember, the sportsbook set um, Cooper Cup at like 66 yards when he came back, and he had like 110. I jumped all over that. I might jump on Justin Jefferson tomorrow as well. The problem is this, is that people think Justin Jefferson is just going to come back and be Justin Jefferson. I have no doubt Justin Jefferson will be Justin Jefferson. But did the bloom fall off of the rose of Joshua Dobbs? This is the first time he's going to be playing with Dobbs. You know, they, they have never had a game together. He's never caught a pass from Dobbs outside of practice, right? So that's a problem. Right before the Vikings went, um, you know, into the bye week, there's conversation that Dobbs might not be the quarterback. That was the big conversation in Minnesota. They also don't know who their running back is. It might be Madison. It might be Ty Chandler. They're not sure about that. So there's a lot of moving pieces with the Vikings in this game that I think people are just expecting things to happen. Everything revolves around, look, uh, revolves around, do you believe that Dobbs is the guy? If you believe that Dobbs is the guy that we saw at parts during the year, then this is an easy Vikings win against a Raiders team that they are better than and, and walk away no problem. Jefferson comes back. Hawkinson has a big game. They find their running game. Vikings defense, which has been good. Yep, they shut down the Raiders, and that's that. But if you believe that Dobbs looked uh, more like the Dobbs that Arizona let go for basically nothing against the Bears, then all of a sudden you go, and, and by the way, for two quarters against the Broncos, all of a sudden you go, Raiders can win this game. You know, it's weirdly less about the Raiders. Raiders still have talent. They still have Jacobs. They still have, you know, Adams. I like I like Aiden O'Connell. And they have defensive talent. 
but it's all about Dobbs. If Dobbs is who we saw in spurts, the Viking, the Raiders are done and the Vikings win. If Dobbs reverts back to mediocre, where he generally three, four teams thought he was going to be, Raiders win this game. Right. From a fan's perspective, perspective, being able to see Justin Jefferson tomorrow will be fun for me from the football aspect of it. Six and six versus five and seven. The Raiders have lost two in a row at at Miami. And, of course, last week against Kansas City, they have the Chargers next week, Tom, at Kansas City, at Indianapolis, and they close the season against the Broncos. I mean, really, you could be looking really, at a, a six-seven win season and another failure here in Las Vegas. Yeah, but let me give you the flip side to that. I'll be the Raider guy here, Tim. They have two home games in the next five days because that's a Thursday night game this week against the Chargers. Two home games in the next five days. Right. You win those two home games in the next five games against teams that are five hundred or under. Suddenly, you're seven and seven. You have Chiefs, Colts, Broncos. You're all of a sudden you're talking playoffs. I mean, that's reality, right? You you win two, If you win these two home games, you could start saying, hey, 500, we got a shot at the playoffs. What if you lose these what two games lose? and now you're sitting at five and Season's nine? Over. Five and nine. Season's over. Season's yeah. over. Yeah. But it was already. But it was right? already, right? Yeah, that, that's the thing. If they lose tomorrow, I think you can say season's over. Because then they got to sweep the board. You know, if you lose tomorrow, I think it's fair. Look, you're not winning at... KC and at the Colts. Okay. So let's just say that's a, certainly another loss. They have five games to go. You go three and two, you're making the playoffs. I, I think three and two, and uh, maybe not. That's eight wins. Uh, but yeah. If they lose tomorrow, it's a uh, season's over. I'll give you that. If they win the next two, season's on, man. But Tom, it's a new Tom, era, man. They're smoking era, man. cigars in the locker room after wins. Come on. <laughs> That felt all good until you faced the Chiefs and Dolphins, right? I mean, that's what the that's what the Raiders are right now. They're a team that can beat teams they're supposed to beat, uh, a team that's going to lose to teams they're supposed to lose to. Here's the problem: Are the Vikings a team they're supposed to beat, or a team they're supposed to lose to? Yeah, I would assume I would with Kirk assume Cousins in there, that's a team they were supposed to lose to. Without Kirk Cousins, that's probably a team they should beat. Yeah, I agree. Next time we talk, Tim, next time we talk, we could be talking about the 500 Raiders. We could. We could also be talking about the 5 and 9 Raiders. Raiders. (laughs) The season's (laughs) over. Yeah. Well, guess what? We won't be talking about them. (laughs) (laughs) Sunday Nighter. First place on the line in the NFC East. Eagles at Dallas. Dallas Tom. Fuel goal and a hook favorite at home. Man, Dallas has just been playing out of their mind. They just can't seem to beat the Eagles. Even Jerry Jones said that, you know, they they can't seem to do it. But at home is something different. The Cowboys have scored 40 or more points in four straight home games. These two teams scored 74 points in last year's meeting in this building. And Dallas has scored 37 or more in four straight games against the Eagles. They just ripped them apart. Dak Prescott is absolutely fantastic against this Eagles team. The Eagles also, oh, by the way, just allowed 42 and 34 points in back-to-back games. Suddenly, all of a sudden, this Eagles defense is, is a worry. Uh, and you, you look at this game and you go, okay, 
you know, it should be all Dallas, right? Well, 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 hold on, hold on, because all of a sudden, Dallas gave up 35 points to the Seahawks, right? I mean, we all watched that, right? So it wasn't beating the Giants, Panthers, and Commanders. They gave, gave up the only two real teams that they've played that are not going to be in the top, like, five of picks next year. Seahawks, get, they gave up 35. Eagles, they gave up 28. Now you look at the Eagles and you go, yeah, they also are having offense, um, sorry, defensive problems. But offensively, you know, they're not rolling right along either. But the Cowboys was kind of their fix here. I, I think it's a tough game to take. I do think Dallas probably wins, but we've seen this script before. And the Eagles just have their number. Over under, Over 52. under 52. I got 51 and a half here, Tim, because that's going to be my free play of the week. And I'm uh, taking the is. over. I, I don't think Dallas scores 40, um, but it wouldn't shock me if they scored 30 here. So I think we got a very close game. 30-27 makes a lot of sense to me. 31-28, something like that. Go ahead and look at the Monday Nighters since we're off tomorrow night. Tennessee, 4-8. and eight. They are winless away from Nashville at Miami. Dolphins, 9-3, and three, undefeated at Hard Rock Stadium. And here's another double-digit one for you, Tom. The Dolphins, minus 13. I, I, I almost was going to make the Dolphins my free play. Uh, because you could just pass all day on Tennessee. They have a pass-funnel defense. That is just bad news. The Dolphins are going to be able to pass all day. The problem is that you just can't run on them. And late in the game, they're going to want to run. Mostert's a little banged up. A Chan is going to be there. And maybe they give it to Jeff Wilson a little bit more. I think they're going to have a hard time closing this game out in the fashion that minus 13 is going to take. Win tomorrow and a Buffalo loss. That's it, right? The uh, division should be Yeah, they're going to win. Yeah. And they probably they probably win something like ridiculous. I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. They have it in front of them. They're on Monday night. They want to make a statement. It wouldn't shock me. Thirty eight ten. It wouldn't shock me. Something ridiculous. Green Bay six and six on a little bit of a run here at the Giants four and eight. Packers are a touchdown favorite on the road. Yeah, look, I, I'm buying into what the Packers are selling. Jordan Love looked really good. I I am buying in. If you can make me buy into the Packers. You know something's going right. Um, Jordan Love seems to have found something. Now, they still can't run the ball. Uh, but 27, 29, 23 points, even putting up 19 against the Steelers, he didn't look terrible in that game. Their defense still only allowing about 20 points per game. But the Giants can't do anything. Look, Tommy DeVito, fun little story, but they can't get anything done. And talk to me about the Patriots. That sh- that's fine. They didn't do anything about the Cowboys, the Raiders, the Jets before that, even Washington in the first meeting, the Bills before that, the Dolphins, the Seahawks. I mean, uh, reaching 20 points for the Giants is nearly impossible. So you're looking at this and you're going, can the Giants keep Jordan Love to un- under 21 points in that offense? I don't think they can. And it's the same kind of conversation I had with you when we talked about how low the Giants are only going to score 14, maybe 17 points. That's where you have to keep the Green Bay Packers. I don't, I don't love that. Talking about, we talked about the Jets a little bit. How about the Giants here, Tom? Another a failure of a season. Uh, Jones hurt. And what do you do with the Barkley experiment? Is it safe to say that the Barkley experiment is over in New York? It certainly should be, and it should have been over before it started. I told you they shouldn't have drafted him, number one. Uh, then I told you they shouldn't have re-signed him, number two. And, and now they're not going to re-sign him again. I mean, uh, look, the experiment should be over. 
the Daniel Jones experiment should have been over. We'll see what happens there. If the New York Giants have a pick in the top five, I don't care that you have Daniel Jones signed. I don't care that you have Saquon. I don't care. You go get a number one guy. You have to. This is the draft that you have to do it for the New York Giants. Daniel Jones can play in this league, but he needs a lot around him, and he just doesn't have it. All right, it's time for the free plays, Tom. Right now, you and I will sit at 5, 7, and 1. See win 4 and 9. Chris likes tomorrow the Saints minus the 6. Oh, okay. All right. I see you, Chris. Yeah. I'm taking that over in the Dallas Philly game. I, I mean, I got 51 and a half. I, 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 I don't care if it's 52. It doesn't matter to me. I know the Monday night and the Sunday night unders have been coming in, but I, I see another shootout. Where's the Timmy teaser? Timmy teaser. Here we go. I'm going to go with the Ravens off the bye, Tom. Basically a pick. And I'm going to go with the Raiders. How about that? Wow, okay. I I I thought you were gonna be on Buffalo if it was three and then take Buffalo plus the nine. Yes. No yes. Mo- that moved down to that moved down to, to one and I said nope, Tim's probably off that. When it moved down, I was when off and I also down, looked at Miami, Miami. But but and I think they will think win they will by win double by digits. Double it's just uh it's just, it's just sat wrong it's for sat a little wrong. bit, so I'll take the the, I'll take Raiders, the Raiders, who are four and two at home. They're very competitive at home, and I think Devonte versus Justin tomorrow is going to be fun to watch, Tom. Yeah, that should be very good. I I just, you know, I think that everyone's expecting Justin Jefferson to break out of it. Uh, to me, Hawkinson's the guy they got to protect here. Uh, Jefferson will get his yards if Dobbs can find them, but Hawkinson and Dobbs, you got to shut down Hawk first. Mm-hmm. The Sunday night one, Sunday that, night that, should, that, that, should, that should draw impressive draw ratings, impressive Tom, I think. Ratings. You know, football already does, but, does, but there's a lot going on in that game tomorrow game as tomorrow. far as uh, not only division, division uh, playoff seating, playoff and really for the really Eagle team that we have said all season long is really not as good as their record states. And I think you got a taste of that last week. This is a situation where really Dallas needs to win. Dallas almost has to win. Uh, they have a lot to prove. When Jerry Jones made those comments after last game, man, we just can't beat those guys. You know, you know it's in their head. That's why the game is a little dangerous. Tim, let me ask you. I know we're up against it, but um, the the big news we avoided, where the Bears are going to get the number one overall pick, they pretty much locked it down. Do you think they trade it? They take Caleb. They take Drake. They trade down. They keep Fields. Where where are you leaning? So they have the one, they have the and, one. What? and what? Right now, they have the five. One and five. One and five. I would probably trade the one. See what I can get for it. I don't think that they need a quarterback. I like I like Fields there, and um, I'm not a Williams guy either. I like Drake, but you can get him later, right? If you really want to do it, you can get him later. Yeah, I like the idea of trading, you know, one to like two or three getting Harrison and like Bowers. Mm-hmm. Think about what that does to your offense. Or if they like, here's another way. Here's the, here's the other way. Do they just keep the one and take Harrison? No, they won't do that. There's too much capital. You know that any team that trades up isn't taking Harrison. Right. You know what I mean? So you could sell it 
and then just sell it to the number two team. Who who's uh okay, so who's trading into that one spot then? To take Cable. Giants, Patriots. Yeah. They make the most sense. You know, I mean you you could see some interesting teams as well go there. Um, but I think Giants, Patriots, one, two, Jets. What did the Jets give up for that number one pick? They probably give up ownership, right? <laughs> they, they may have to, you know. Maybe, I, maybe. You, you start going, start going down the list. You know, Washington's not sure that Howell's going to be the guy. Minnesota, do they move on from Kirk Cousins? Yeah, yeah, and then every team in the South, in the right. NFC South. Tampa. Tampa. Tampa makes sense. How about the Falcons? You got Bijan, you got Drake May. I mean, yeah. you got Bijan, you got London Drake, and, and you got uh, uh, Kyle Pitts, and then you go get a number one guy. Starts to become a, an uh oh situation, right? Yeah. No, if I'm the Bears, no, for sure, Tom, Bears, I trade that pick. They don't need a quarterback, in my, opinion. quarterback in my opinion. Go get the receiver, get the receiver trade down, and get him, and then you still have another pick. Still have another pick. Between what? Three and five, actually. So it's uh, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. Give me get. I'll give you the number one pick. Move me down to number two or number three, and give me two uh, first next year and the first of the year after that. I'm I'm in. I'm, I'm in. Your offense becomes, you know, DJ Moore, Harrison, Bowers, Komet, your slew of running backs. Go spend money in offensive line and free agency, and boom, all of a sudden you got a Chicago Bears team back. Tom, in less than a minute, tell me about your huge NFL Sunday lined up over at Tom Barton Sports. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about this. It's TomBartonSports.com, guys. I have a ton of games on the board, more than I, I usually have at TomBartonSports.com, and I got a bunch of prop plays up as well. I'm liking the props uh, tomorrow. I'm sure you've heard me sprinkle some of them in. You get all of that. TomBartonSports.com, including my college basketball. That's off to a red-hot start, hitting just under 70% in college basketball. My NHL, which is at 70% as well now for the fourth straight year, it'll be. And you get everything at TomBartonSports.com, including all of the bowl games, everything for 30 full days. Good luck tomorrow, luck sir. Tomorrow, we'll, sir. Talk we'll talk week. next week. And uh, two hours done, two my hours friend. Done. Have a good one, everybody. For Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com, for Mateo, Tim Unglesby, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your Super Sunday. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM.